Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigaloff was either off-duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigaloff was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigaloff. All right, well, thank you for joining me again. We've got a wonderful guest here lined up, but first I want to give a special shout out to all of my Patreon supporters. We've got Shell at the $50 level. We've got Sam and Angela Shelke at $20, $20.20. We've got the Pandemic Reprimando level at $17.76 a month with Linda, Perry, Ty. We've got the Self-Made level at $10 with Katie and Kevin. We've got the Refined Not Burned $5 tier, Emmy, Joe, Pat, and Bev, PJ, Rebecca, and a brand new one, Darrell, thank you. Courage is Contagious Level, $1 a month. That's Amanda, Jay, and Spets Nasty. Thank you so much for supporting me. I truly, it, it means the world to me, especially with how valuable the dollar is and how it's almost $8 now to get 12 eggs, which is insane. Them being one of the superfoods on the face of the earth, them and liver. But enough about diet, enough about that. I, I am truly grateful to be able to introduce my next guest. Most of y'all have heard of him before, but it's retired Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. And I'm probably going to keep calling you, sir. I know you keep telling me to call you Dave, but it's it's just a huge respect thing. And I'm very, I'm kind of fanboying, fan, being a fanboy over here, and I apologize. But it's, it's just an amazing blessing to be able to talk to you, because the Lord has given you a voice and allowed you to reach far and wide. And if, if you're not familiar with retired Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, he kind of coined the term sheepdog. Many of us use that, who are protectors. And he's, I mean, obviously he didn't make up the term because it's, it's the name of dog, but he brought that analogy about and made that as famous as it is today. So, sir, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Sam. And, and, and I'm just so honored to be on board with you and your listeners. And uh, it's kind of cool to hear the whole Patreon thing and the battle is ongoing and you're in the front lines. And right up front, I want to say that I, I support you. I've made a similar decision in my own life, but I certainly have not had to, to pay such a price for it. But let's lay a foundation, if you don't mind. You know, not everybody listening here is coming from that same perspective, but we're we're believers and and it's one you know common denominator we share and one of my more recent books is on spiritual combat a christian book award finalist you know the end we're a battle against forces of evil and here's the thing to understand you know you keep your eye on the horizon sooner or later our nation will fall over our dead bodies you know that all nations end eventually a hundred years a thousand years sooner or later our son will die but eternity continues so keep your eye on the ball. All these things that are happening, you know, the, the, the eternal dynamic is really the important one. And never let the world drag you down. Never lose track of that. You know, the world says, you know, that, 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 you know, that, that, that life is hard and then you die. And we said, no, you know, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, and, and we've chosen our position and we won't be worn down by the world. And we look at that big picture that waits out there for us. And, and, and I kind of wanted to lay a foundation for you on the aspect of this whole battle that I don't know if you're aware of. And, and I was kind of looking through some of your past work, Sam, but do you know how general officers are selected? I have no idea, but I would imagine you first have to have a frontal lobotomy before you you can qualify. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know. I was out of the Army for a while before I looked it up. They are nominated by the president and approved by the Senate just like federal judges or ambassadors. And, and, and you got to realize that. That's the law. Now, what, what, what happened was, you know, you, if you're a military historian at all, when you look at the Civil War, 
you really look through a different lens when you look at that political dynamic of appointing generals and the way they played the game. But then around World War I, they began to say, who are we to decide who should be generals, you know, an admiral? So the services nominated it, then the president and the Senate kind of rubber-stamped it. They always kept their finger in, and the law still says that they're the ones making the call. So for, for an awful long time, you know, they've just kind of rubber-stamped it and, and trusted the military, keeping a finger in the equation. And then Bill Clinton becomes president. On the very first day, Hillary says, who are these effing guys in F uniforms from my effing house, you know? And, and it had this clash on the very first day. And, and throughout their, her entire time, she never wanted to see anybody in uniform. I've had the story over and over again, police in uniform, military in uniform. You know, the, the first lady's coming down the hallway. We need you. Anybody in uniform, we need to get out of the hallway. Don't want to see that over and over again. You know, it's just a sick thing. And so Clinton began to play the game harder than anybody seen it in a long time. I was in during that time. I got out in, in, on terminal leave in 97, kind of finally punched the clock at 98. And Clinton was president. The Cold War was over. And, you know, my, my job was done. But back in those days, the word was out. If you wanted to have stars, you had to be pragmatic. Put your politics in your pocket. Put your religion in your pocket. You know, you had to be pragmatic. And and it's not like this great number of liberal colonels to draw from. But they really did play the game hard. And then Bush is president for eight years. And eight years of Clinton generals kind of, kind of nominated eight years of Bush generals. And then... Obama played the game for eight years, the hardest and played in a long time. Now, you and I know there's some great generals out there, some great men and women, but they have been put through a left-wing filter for 24 years. And and we don't realize, you know, we, we talk about deep state, we talk about the battle for federal judges, we don't realize that we that there's been a battle going we didn't know was there. And, and they've been out on the field making touchdowns, and we haven't been on the field. And we know we have to fight for federal judges now. You know, we know we have to fight for Supreme Court justices, but nobody told us we had to fight for generals. Now, there's some magnificent men and women who are there, but they have really been been in, in the process. And now, you know, a lot of the VAX mandate was them saying, well, <clears throat> here's a great chance to purge our ranks of all these extremists. Here's our chance to purge our ranks of all of these. And at, at a higher level, that one thing we got to establish it's kind of the scientific method. It's all it's all a matter of degree, you know, and and this this idea that we're absolutely certain is not scientific. You know, we, we know about the 0.05 level of statistical significance, and we gotta admit that we might be wrong. They cannot and will not admit that they might be wrong. They can't even accept the remote possibility. And so that's where we are right now. You know, we might have been conned by by all this stuff, but I don't think so. And I think the rational decision for me when the time came, you know, I'm I'm 66 years old. I want to play in for another 20 years. I'm on the road for 25 years, 200 days a year. And that's my prayer. I can do it another 20 years. The only way we win is to stay in the fight. The only way we beat this bastard, whoever they are, is, and I'll outline some of it, is to stay on the fight. And as long as I have the health, I'm going to be on the road, training cops, training the military, doing my best. But I'm 66, and, and I think I'm in superb physical condition, praise God. And and for me, making a risk analysis, taking the vax, was, 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 it was a no-brainer for me. I've got loved ones all around me that have made other decisions, and they're, they're deeply invested in that decision and the big story. 
But I, I've made my own decision, and, and we all exist in this realm of the scientific method that we might be wrong, but we've made our bet. The odds, are, as we see it, are such, and, and there's value in that. But we've got to understand how we're playing the game, and we see within our army how that's happening. Now, you were just you were just showing me something along that line that you were thinking about. Go ahead, please. Well, I was saying that, the, you know, the, the, the book you were just holding up. Yeah, the extremists. Yeah. If you hold this document close to your heart, and for the listener, it's the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. If you have one of these and hold, carry it with you, you read it at your leisure, you hand it out to patients, you hand it out when you're being given an illegal order to take a shot that's unlawful, and then you have a 15-6 against you, and they say, and he was handing out constitutions, as if it's a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think we, we, we know more. Yeah. Now, now, now keep your, you know, keep your, your eyes on the horizon. Never lose track of the fact that, you know, that, that eternity is out there. But right now, you know, my book on spiritual combat, we are in a battle against forces of evil. And our job is to fight the good fight as long and hard as we can, to love God and to love people. And if we truly love them, and if we truly love God, we'll bring them knowledge of salvation. And we do that by, by Galatians 6, 9, girl, you're not weary of doing good in the fullness of time, you reap your reward. Just let your life be a living witness. So, better, so much better to live the sermon than to preach it. And that's all on spiritual combat. The, you know, the, the, our initial issue, the full armor of God, our mission statement, and the, the truly, truly amazingly well-received. But we're fighting a fight against forces of evil, and, 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 and the model I have in the book is, is sheepdog. You're right, I, I coined the whole sheepdog model, and I had a guy recently say, why is that whole sheepdog thing taken off? You know, you first mentioned it in On Killing, my first book in 95, and it really got some traction. And then in On Combat, in 2002, we really ran with it. And he said, why is it taken off so well? Because, well, I th we love dogs. And, you know, in the Bible, they had dogs. We know that. But they were considered unclean. You know, Jesus talked about, you know, even the, the puppies under the table get the crumbs, you know. And, but then we love dogs now. And, and, and it's my, from a spiritual standpoint, I, I'm just God's faithful dog. You know, I, when we get there, we're going to be embraced as, as, as beloved children. And we'll understand things we can't even comprehend right now. But right now, you know, my dog can't understand most of what I do. Why, why are you doing this when you could be scratching my tummy? Come on, why are you doing this? What's this all about? You can't understand speech, you can't understand books. Read. That's how we are with God. We can just barely understand so many aspects. So, you know, my dog, she let her off the leash. She runs in the neighbor's yard and rolls in something stinky. I still love her. And God sees every bad thing we do, and he still loves us. He loves us enough to die for us, you know? And and so this idea of being God's faithful dog, you know, well, it it. it resonates. It takes the sheepdog model to the next step. And everybody out there that might not know the great, you know, Sam and I are here to tell you that, 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 that this is where it's at. This is, this is the end story. This is the ultimate dynamic. And, and people say, well, I, I talked again in the book, people say, I wish I could believe. I, I, I wish there was a loving God. Well, that's the bottom. That's the first seed of belief. It is the desire to believe, the, the wish it was so. Take your little seed of faith and plant it I, and ask for more faith. You know, the man came to Jesus, asked him to, to heal his son. And Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. He said, I believe, help my unbelief. Boom. Jesus did what he asked him to do. That's all God asks us is to ask for more belief, to ask for more faith. Plant your little seed of faith 
and believe in a world that there is a loving God who has a plan for us and who sacrificed for us and paid the ultimate price for us. And we're fighting this battle right now. Aslan is on the move. Good things are happening. You look at the big picture there, men like Sam and out there fighting the good fight. This, you know, and, and people have decided it was a way to purge our military. And that's part of the equation, without a doubt, I think, that some were thinking to some degree. And yet, here you are, driving on, touching base with people, Patreon supporters. It just warms my soul and gives me faith. So my contribution to your your podcast that maybe haven't really been touched before Number one, about hollow generals and what's going on in a kind of a bigger picture in the big battle that we're fighting. But number two, I, if I only had 30 minutes to speak to a military and law enforcement audience, there's one thing I'd be covering with all my heart, and that is this global epidemic of sleep deprivation. Now, here's the key. Sleep deprivation makes us stupid. We do stupid things, we say stupid things, 18 hours without sleep, and your impaired judgment equal to 0.08 legally drunk blood alcohol. 24 hours without sleep, and your impaired judgment equal to 0.10 above legally drunk, and, and, and two nights without sleep, and you are psychotic. Any graduate of Army Ranger School will tell about hallucinations on the third day without sleep. And we have people all around us going days and days without sleep. There is nothing macho, there's nothing tough, there's nothing impressive about going without sleep. Any 10-year-old girl at slumber party can do it. The professional thing is to manage our sleep. And, and, and that's the key, is this, this global epidemic sleep deprivation, number one. Here's a critical point. It is a huge factor in suicides. How many times have we talked about military suicides, law enforcement suicides, and homed in on sleep deprivation. One of the best meta-studies in suicide, do an online search, suicide, sleep deprivation, boom. Look at all the research. One of the best meta-studies on suicide says not only is sleep deprivation a major factor, it's the most remediable factor. If we truly gave a damn about suicide, if we truly wanted to do something about it, this is the first place we'd be working. And, and, and here's Parenting 101 for the 21st century. Now, suicides have exploded worldwide. Every Every age group, every nationality, the demographic group, almost without fail, have seen suicides explode. Teenagers, 10, 11, 12-year-old girls, teenage girls' suicide rate has tripled per capita in just the last decade. So here's Parenting 101 for the 21st century. When you send your kid to bed at night, take their cell phone away from them. No laptop in the room, no cell phone in the room. They have got to go to the room and sleep. A cop came up to me during a break in one of my presentations. He said, he said, I had a good girl. She was an A student. She said, Dad, it's embarrassing. You don't have to take my cell phone every night. You can trust me. He said, so I trust her. I let her keep her cell phone. He says, you know, family policy, cell phone goes to charge her off the bed. He said, a little while later, I let her keep her cell phone. And she took her life. My little girl took her life. He said, we never knew the hell she was living in until we looked at the text messages on her cell phone. Night after night of ceaseless, relentless, vicious bullying. And he can't just ignore that. We're not wired that way. He said it was heartrending to see her up night after night trying to defend herself, trying to find someone to stand for. He said, I understood my little girl was bullied to death. What I didn't understand until now, she was sleep-deprived, tormented, and bullied to death in front of my eyes, and I let it happen. 
He said, I can't ignore that text message in the middle of the night. How, how can we expect our kids to? He said, the one thing on earth I've done for my little girl was take her cell phone overnight and let her turn off all the bad stuff in this world. So who's going to be your mommy? Who's going to make you turn off that world? We're in the middle of this global epidemic of sleep deprivation. Number one, it's a key factor in suicide. Number two, it's a key factor in traffic deaths. Now, decade after decade around the planet, we brought traffic deaths down. Airbags, seatbelts, medical technology. Now, for the last decade around the planet, traffic deaths have exploded. What is the new factor worldwide? This, this sleep deprivation. There's a reason why truck drivers are required by federal law to get enough sleep and airline pilots. Number three, the opiate epidemic. Sleep deprivation creates chronic pain. Why opiates? Why are opiates a drug of choice? Prescription opiates have always been there. Well, do an online search for sleep deprivation and pain. Boom. Doc, I heard all the time. Give me a pill. If you need a pill, you need more sleep. And you got to knock off the caffeine Shortly after lunch, this stopping you from getting deep cycle sleep. So there's pieces that need. Also, we know that the link to obesity is powerful. You, you want to lose weight, get more sleep, and heart disease and sleep deprivation. And also, finally, a lot of solid data on the link between sleep deprivation and dementia and Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's most common form of dementia. A study a couple of years back said lack of deep cycle sleep is the single greatest predictor of Alzheimer's. So why, why, why isn't this coming out? Well, here's the deal. Let's look at tobacco. My dad started smoking in 1941. He was five years old. He said, I plunked a nickel on the counter. He said, he couldn't even look over the counter. Plunked a nickel on the counter, bought a pack of bull drum tobacco and rolling paper, and started smoking at five. Hey, candy rots your teeth, right? Candy's bad. We all know that. Cigarettes are good for you. They had Salem ads that, as your dentist, I recommend Salem's. Camel ads said, more doctors smoke camels. Well, Salem, camel, they're all poison, don't do it. 55 years later, those cigarettes finally killed my dad. But they didn't care that they were killing people. They just wanted to sell their product. So the head of Netflix said their number one competitor is not other online providers. Their number one competitor is sleep. The corporate policy of Netflix is to steal your sleep. The video games are designed to put you in a flow state. You play games all night long, you stagger into work or school, you play games the second night all night, you're now on your third day without sleep, and those zombies are all around us. And again, I'll tell you from personal experience in ranger school, you, you will see things and hear things that are not there on that third day without sleep. I, I've lost a brother and two nephews to suicide. One was a veteran. We'll talk about veteran suicides. The other one was, was just a, a high school kid. The new video game came out. He'd locked himself in his bedroom with a, with a stack of, 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 of munchies and sodas and the new video game. On the third day, he killed himself. No, no, no letter, no suicide, no nothing. Why, why, why? Well, we go back and look at sleep deprivation. And we see this factor. And these games are designed to put you in the flow state. And they don't care that they're killing people. And Facebook. So Facebook will never say, you've been online for the last 48 hours. I'm going to turn you off and get some sleep now. The video game will never say, you've been playing this game for 36 hours straight. Get some sleep now. And Netflix will never say, you've been binge-watching shows for the last 48 hours. Time to get some sleep. They will never do that. Like the tobacco industry, they just want to sell their product. And like the tobacco industry, they are very, very invested in getting rid of any evidence that points a finger back at them. Now, the tobacco industry fought tooth and nail decade after decade over one thing, to keep selling tobacco to children 
and to admit that their product could do harm. And they fought tooth and nail just to keep selling tobacco to children. That's where we are. One of my books is Assassination Generation. I was at the White House as part of President Trump's roundtable on violent video games. I was at the White House again to brief Vice President Pence. Both times, I put a copy of the book in my hand, Assassination Generation. In 2005, the state of California overwhelmingly voted to regulate children's access to violent video games. Data was overwhelming. Home of Hollywood, home of Silicon Valley, voted to regulate children's access by overwhelming numbers. Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor. Arnold signed the bill, and the video game industry fought him all the way to the Supreme Court. They said, we have a constitutional First Amendment right to sell any game to any kid at any age. You cannot stop us. You cannot regulate us. And they conned seven old men, seven Supreme Court justices, never played Pong in their life, overturned the California law. It's in my book, Assassination Generation. Nobody's even heard about it. So just, just understand that there's a battle all around us against this corporate evil. And they don't care that they're killing people. They just want to make their megabucks. They just want to make their millions. And we come back to the same dynamic with the vax and, and, and pumping this thing down and making vast amounts of money and, and cutting corners. You know, are, are, are we wrong in, in our belief? Well, we accept the scientific method. There's a 0.05 possibility we might be wrong. But I think the data is overwhelming out there. And these corporate predators are selling death, and they don't care. And, and we won't even hear about the link between suicide. You come, boom, it's a surprise. Suicide and, and, and sleep deprivation. You start asking, was he sleep deprived? Oh, he played video games. For, you know, was, where's she sleep? Oh, she's on social media all night long, night after night. So just recognize that we're in a battle, and it's a vaster battle, but in the end, it's a battle against evil. And one of my favorite authors, he wrote the, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He's a crazy brain, brain span. But, but he said, C.S. Lewis, yeah, C.S. Lewis wrote one time, he said, when you, when you think about evil, he says, evil is a corporate boardroom with people in night suits making decisions. That, that was the Holocaust. So it was people in, 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 in nice places with night suits making decisions that resulted in this stuff. And he said, that's where we truly find evil, and that's the battle. And you, Sam, have been in the middle of that battle. You have paid a price for it. You've stood up for what's right. And I honor you, and I salute you, and I thank you. As, as, as somebody who's in the front lines of this battle, just, just zoom out for a minute and understand how vast this battle is. And in the end, so much of it comes down to the corporate predators who don't care that they're killing people, who conceal it. It's the tobacco industry many times over, and they control so much of our information network. And they're doing everything they can to, to, to continue to keep making money. Now, hang in there, brother. Hang in there, all you Patreon supporters and, and all you, you fellow minded, and those of you that are on the fence out there. I, I, I put myself behind Sam with all my heart and all my soul. The data is overwhelming. We have a level of statistical significance as to what's happening out there. And you're fighting a good fight for our way of life and for our lives and the Constitution and that, you know, is not a, a banned document. And, uh, and you got to keep hanging in there and everybody else out there, you got to keep hanging. So that's kind of Grossman's, you know, two bits up front. Sam, where, where else should we, should we take? Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. That, that means the world to me. We mentioned off air before we started, The Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser. And, and I think what you're kind of touching on, and I want to just dive into it head first is this unseen realm idea, because you, you're mentioning it, but kind of on the periphery. 
And this idea that the boardroom is where all the evil is, that fits right in with the unseen realm because you have this whispering in the ear. Oh, we'll do this. It's good for you. It'll be good for those people that you're, you're doing this for. Or you'll make a buck and those people, they'll be fine. Don't worry about that. But all of those added up in totality end up in a place where you have, you know, the homosexuals, the gypsies, the Jews rounded up and put in a place where they work until they're dead and, and killed on purpose and horrible medical experiments. And that's that unseen realm. It's that whispering in the ear. It's, it's this thing you can't see, you can't feel, you can't, it's not flesh and blood. It's the rulers and the principalities of darkness. And you know what? That's a really great point because this is something I said about our generals. You know, generals on the battlefield would be brave. They, you know, like, like most of us, they'd put their life on the line. But they sold their soul a nickel at a time. They compromised and compromised and compromised till they have nothing left. And, and let me give you an, an angle on that. I, I think there's great value in understanding the crazy things that our military does across the years. And begin with, with the Korean War in a book called This Kind of War by, by T.R. Fehrenbach. And what happened was at the end of World War II, America was sick of, of discipline and structure. And they said, look at the Air Force. The Air Force doesn't have uniforms and haircuts and saluting. The Air Force doesn't do the, the drill and ceremony, you know, and, and look what a good job they did. So they had the Doolittle Commission, Jimmy Doolittle. He'd read what led the raid on Tokyo. And, 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 and they said, and they basically gutted discipline in the military. And then the Korean War hit. And the U.S. Army was destroyed, shattered, devastated. The Marine Corps, who didn't really play that game, saved our bacon. They saved our nation's bacon early in the, in the Korean War. And we learned our lesson. So Vietnam begins. And we have the Maris 100,000. My grandfather was one of those frozen chosen, and he's still walking around today. And he got shot in the ankle on the third day of the attack. Wow. Wow. And, and they were, you know, they were great people, but we don't understand how much those, those, those frozen chosen, that, that those few in the Marine held the cap, because they didn't play the political game quite as much as anybody else did. So, dirty little war in Southeast Asia, and a guy named McNamara, Secretary of Defense, said... We're going to draft Cat 4Bs. This is Category 4, bottom half of five categories. There are people in World War II wouldn't have been drafted. And the message was these people have been socially repressed. Now, the military is going to be the mechanism for them to improve themselves. And we're going to draft 100,000 of these guys. It's kind of crude. They were called McNamara's morons. McNamara's 100,000. And they died at a rate two to three times greater than Cat 1s and Cat 2 on the battlefield. The, the phrase that was floated at that time to put a stupid man in combat is murder. Well, <clears throat> Private Grossman enlists in 1974. Our army had been gutted after Vietnam. The druggies ran the barracks. If you wanted, if if you didn't want to fight, you had to do drugs. Because, you know, if you just do a little, smoke a little dope, snort a little crack... The druggies ran the barracks. I was, I, I, you know, I, I was pulled out of a line platoon to be to be the, the unit clerk. I was Radar O'Reilly, you know, on a real old-fashioned typewriter in 19, well, 1975, about, and, uh, and on through 76, and 85, and became unit operations and, and battalion operations. But I was Radar O'Reilly, you know, and, and we had files of Article 15s, an inch thick, counseling statement, Article 15s, an inch thick, and we couldn't get rid of them. And, and, and the, the point was that 
these people have been socially repressed, and it's our job to give them social mobility. We're not even at war right now. You know, you give them a chance. You can't get rid of them. So, 1980, Ronald Reagan becomes the president. Now, recruiting was so bad. I was I was a young lieutenant in the 9th Infantry Division. Out of out of out of every three line platoons in a company, one platoon was zeroed out. Of the two remaining platoons, one squad was zeroed out. So what ought to be a company of nine infantry squads was four infantry squads, and the weapons platoon was kept generally filled. We were not just a hollow army. We were an empty army. We couldn't get rid of the dead weight. We couldn't get rid of them. Reagan became president, and the military pivoted on a dime. We had great recruiting. We had people who would entrust their children's life to this man. After Afghanistan, who will entrust their children to, to our leadership today? You know, no, no repercussions for the tragedy in Afghanistan. No repercussions for the, the whole Vax thing. Every, every one of them should be fired and start from the ground up. But Reagan became president. Good people were enlisting. We had the year analysis program. We had the expeditious discharge program. We got rid of the dead weight in, in a year. We pivoted on a dime. We had incredible people joining up. But we keep going through this cycle when when there's some social experiment that has to be inflicted down upon our military. And every way, every time, we have to fight. We have to fight with all our heart and all our soul. Look at the price we paid in Korea. Look at the price we paid in Vietnam. Look at our hollow army that just, you know, that we, we won the Cold War with Ronald Reagan turning us around and focusing us in the right direction. So here we are again, and we've got to fight with all of our heart and all of our might for what's right and true and good in our civilization. And, and we go back to the corporate boardroom and decisions that are made in the Pentagon. And, and these, they, this is where evil lives. This is where evil lives, making these kind of decisions to abandon Afghanistan. And nobody is left accountable to, to mandate this fax. And, and is there any accountability happening? Well, I, I hope there will. Men like you will make it happen if it happens with your lawsuits and other things. And and, and I, I believe the tide is going to turn. But recognize this. Draw back for a minute and look at the big picture across the across the, 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 the decades and know you're fighting a good fight for what's right and true. And they have, it comes back around what I was saying, they have sold their soul a nickel at a time. They have compromised their integrity, get that next, next you know, they put their politics in their pocket. They put their religion in their pocket to make that next rank. They sold their soul a nickel at a time and they get there and they have nothing left. And and for them. Because you really are empty, hollow, sad men who, who have nothing left. And they certainly they certainly don't have the Lord in their life if, if they were, were doing this kind of thing. So. Oh, yes, sir. That's perfect. Because with this whole Vax, I generally call it a bio. And most of my listeners know why. And if you are a new listener, haven't figured it out, go listen to episode 33, please. And you'll see why I call it a bioweapon. But this, and I show you all the documentation, but it's, it's not that they did a mandate. It's that they gave an unlawful, illegal order. And they wanted something that was partially developed in China, injected into you and to me and to everyone. And so it's, it's a war crime because from March 27, 2020, we were in a, a quietly declared war because you can't have EUA granted unless you have an emergency declared. And that emergency can only be declared if there is a seaburn or chemical, biologic, radiologic, or nuclear exposure to U.S. citizens on American soil, U.S. citizens on foreign soil, or the military. So we've been at war, quietly declared war, since 27 March 2020. 
and that would classify these as war crimes, in my opinion. Hopefully the courts can figure that out. I think the, I think we'd come out the other end with a sense of accountability for these people. That I, I pray we will. But in the meanwhile, you're 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 on the side of the angels, brother. And and I saw that episode you're talking about. I went and I looked at it. If it, go uh, go and listen to that episode, get get some information. But but keep on. You know, I I love. Uh, I, I I just just you know above you is that pandemic reprimanded. <laughs> There's a there's your ranger tab. There's your airborne tab. Wear that with pride. You know, I, I bear the airborne tab. I bear the ranger tab. I'll bear that one too with pride. You know, and, and know that you're on the right side there. It's a beautiful. And so thing. when we get off the uh, air, I want to get your address because I, I think you certainly deserve one of these. I'm going to send you one of these and all the listeners. These are available. There's various links available, but it's on eBay. It's helping fund my legal fees. I've spent over sixty thousand dollars of my own legal fees, and on top of that, I've received a. $10,000 grant from Truth Truth for Health Foundation. Please check them out. I'm a volunteer through them, part of their military advisory council. Um, they're doing great things. They're helping other service members like Mark Bashaw listen to his episode with me where he was convicted. He actually had a court martial and he was convicted. They're helping out Bill Mosley, who had a board of inquiry in the Navy, and they found it was unlawful to tell him to take the mandate, to take the shot. Yet, since it's not a court of law, it's only an administrative inquiry, it doesn't have any standing in, in a courtroom. One thing that I, I did want to touch there is you kind of mentioned this, and this is something I've, I've listening to the Bible Project, listening to the book Unseen Realm, there's this thing where Jesus says, you know, you can tell a mountain to throw itself into the ocean and it'll do it. And I, that's always, that's always just struck me as, well, how can I tell a, mount, a giant piece of rock to go throw itself in the ocean? But if you listen to or read the Unseen Realm, there is this idea of the divine council. And in Second Temple Judaism, they thought the divine council was in the mountains. That's why mountains were a high place where Moses went and met God on a mountain. And so if you look at it in that sense, a mountain in someone's life, the listener's life, may be anxiety, may be depression, may be regret, may be anger, may be alcoholism, drug, all these things. You can tell that, that God, the Elohim, which is not God's name, that is a spiritual being, and God is one of those, but he's not like all the other ones. He, he created all those. You can tell that little G God to go throw itself in the ocean and it'll do it when you have the faith in Jesus Christ. Praise God. You know, Sam, that's so good. I've never heard that before. You know, we, we create our mountains and Jesus, you know, through God can, can throw their mountain into the sea if we just give it to him. That's, that's, that's such a great analysis. You know, I've got I've got On Spiritual Combat. It's going to be the sequel to this book. It's going to be coming out in just about a year. Hey, your listeners might be interested. I've got, you know, I wrote the book on killing. I wrote on combat. Both of them have been still, both of them have been bestsellers in many categories just this year, On Spiritual Combat. But I wrote a, a book, I think I might have a kick on it, On Hunting. Now, you cannot understand combat. You cannot understand humanity. You cannot understand killing until you understand hunting. And, uh, and it's really a lot of fun. Uh, this is like the first podcast, uh, maybe the second podcast, I've had even mentioning this. You buy it from our website right now. It'll be available on Amazon in, in March. But we, we keep driving on. And, uh, and you know, the, the second volume of On Spiritual Warfare, and, and you might see some reference to that in some of my future writing, because that, that's really a neat uh, insight into it. And I, and I thank you for, for sharing that with you. Well, thank you. I can't take credit for that. It's just kind of been a compilation of those different things. One thing you had mentioned is the generals, how they were told to put their politics in their pocket and put their religion 
in their pocket. And most people, you know, like, I don't want to be political. In fact, I, I ran into a, a major who I'm trying to get him to open up a little bit. And we started talking about COVID and he's like, Hey, I don't want to get political. And it's like, well, it's not political. It's, it's medicine. It's your life. And people are doing illegal things to you. But there's this idea that politics is, is only one realm when really it's, I look at it more like the way I look at the world. It's not just how I want the world to be ran, but it's how I, it, it is part of my, not my religion, but my religion is part of my politics. Because my religion shapes how I view the world and how I think things should be done. So I can't not have politics. And then when you take all the politics out, and then you've got these, like, I'll say in 2015, for some reason, I, I had had this thought experiment with this buddy of mine who is a fister, field artillery guy. And, and for some reason, we were on this conversation. And I told him, I really think that if we ever had an unlawful order given to us like to confiscate all of the firearms in the United States, I think two thirds of the officer corps will do it. And I think one third of the enlisted corps will do it. I was dead wrong. 90%, 99% of the officer corps went along with it. And probably 90% of the enlisted corps went along with it. And no accountability. Again, you know, look at Afghanistan after 20 years of war to just abandon it. And then we've, we're, we're going to see terrorist attacks. We gave them an entire nation to fund in, train in, and deploy from. 20 years of burning desire for vengeance and $7 billion of military equipment left for these people. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Uh, this vax mandate, this entire generation of general officers can and should be held accountable for, for what's been going on over this period of time. And, and I just pray that I saw Ronald Reagan, I saw God work a miracle in our nation. I, I was there. Ronald Reagan came in, our military pivoted on a dime. We defeated the Soviet Union by, by simply outspending them. We, millions didn't have to die. We didn't have to pay a terrible price, thank God. And, and I saw God work a miracle, and I pray that somebody will come up. You know, we needed, I can't begin to tell you how bad Jimmy Carter was. You know, in four years, the communists took Nicaragua, Mozambique, Ethiopia, Ola. We threw the saw of Iran under the bus. And we gave away the Panama Canal. How could one man do so much harm in four years? But well, we're seeing it right now. It took four years of Jimmy Carter give us eight years of Ronald Reagan. And I pray that God has a Reagan for us and there will be accountability for what's been going on here. And we kind of start from the bottom up and, and, and stop filtering our generals through a political filter. This left-wing dynamic that is that is just infested them. And again, you and I know this great honorable Christians and, and patriots, this system isn't, you know, universal, but there's this persistent trend of selecting people who agree with our politics. And and, and that's become an evil dynamic. And you talked about, you know, I, I, politics is a manifestation of my religion. Well, for the left, politics is their religion. And they're, they're zealous. They're absolutely rabid, zealous about their their religion. And, and that's why it's so dangerous. They will advance everywhere. They will cut any corner. They will cr commit any crime to advance their religion. Socialism is a, a religion. It's got to be taken on faith. It's never been proven to work. Their religion is socialism, and, and they will fight with all their heart and soul. And we got to get in the battle and fight back for our nation, for our way of life. And, and again, our, our, our politics is a manifestation of our religion, and there's no shame in that. That's a beautiful thing. And, and sir, this will probably be the last thing, because I want to be very respectful of your time. But I think this is an important thing that I'd love to get your opinion on. Moral injury, right? Because there's lots. You and I did not 
were given the insight to not get this thing injected into us. However, I have many friends, and I and there's many people in the military and in this nation who have received it, and maybe they don't want to get any more. Maybe they thought it was good then because they were tricked and they were bamboozled by the the doctor that lied to them or the politician that lied to them. But how do they get past that that moral injury that they they bent the knee and yeah. they don't need to do that anymore? You know, I, again, it's a great place to end on because it's what we began on. And that's the, that eternal picture. You know, just, just take a minute and look at the big view. God, Jesus really is the great healer. You know, the, the most, the most, the greatest vitamin, vitamin J. Get up every morning, have a dose of vitamin J, you know. And, and people say, how do you keep doing it? 66, you know, driving on, energy. It's a conscious decision to wake up every morning, get a shot of vitamin J. And then Galatians 6, 9, girl, you're not weary of doing good. In the fullness of time, you reap your reward. And so I tell you that, that all things are possible, that God can heal all things. But, but truly, if you find yourself remorseful and, 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 and angry, repentant, whatever it may be is how you respond to this matter, hand it over to God. Because the only true healing and the only, the only true achievement is, is these eternal matters. This is all here as kind of a field for us to be able to do our best in, 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 in spiritual warfare in preparation, whatever God has to call for us afterwards, and, and, and have faith. I mean, truly, literally, have faith in our way of life, have faith in our nation, have faith in our God, the God of our fathers. He will sustain us and carry us through these times. And uh, we did the best we could in a dark and desperate hour. And we'll just take the rest of this life trying to do better and trying to make up for the harm that we might have done. That's true repentance. And, and embrace uh, embrace the fact that Jesus paid the price for our sins, and they're separated as far as the east to the west. If we, if, you know, he's, he's faithful and just, forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Once we identify it and hold it up for, for Him. So, I have faith, and with every possible way you could use that word, have it and believe in it, and keep doing what you're doing, Sam. You make us proud. You're a great American. You're one of the ones that had courage to stand up in the face of all of this and say, Nah, nah this is not right. And done the research and done the schoolwork. I, I was lucky to have a good friend who was from the very beginning giving me good information. Without that information, I, I could very well follow followed a completely different path. And and men like you would made it possible for us to say, wait a minute, there's more going on here, and help us to go through this tragic time, you know, and and think there is hope for this nation still. Praise God. I just want to echo what you said. There's there's forgiveness at the the foot of Jesus. And the whole sheepdog idea, we were put here to protect the flock, even if the flock wants to throw us at the wolves. And I can't wait for the day. I hope it's, I got lots of work to do still, so I hope it's kind of a ways away. But the day when I get there and God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm one of the, one of the memes that I, I created a meme and, and it's, you know, this, this, this gray muzzled dog at the feet, a nice picture of this gray muzzled dog at the feet and says, one day the sheepdog will finally rest at the feet of the great shepherd. Well, you're to hear those words. Well done. They're good and faithful servant. Amen. And I did it because there was no other choice. I couldn't not do this. I couldn't lie, look myself in the mirror and tuck my kids at in at night and tell them to be brave and courageous and, and and there's lots of other enlisted NCOs officers who who don't have the credentials not that that makes me special or anything you know it's it's truly God's blessing that he's put me through med school trust me dyslexia 
found out and had narcolepsy, you know, in Alaska, like, yeah. God's blessing, right? Dyslexia, the whole deal. But he, he's put me here for this purpose to help encourage others. And I truly feel that, yeah, it's in Thessalonians where it says to speak in a way to help those that are fearful. And that has just been driving me through this. On that note, God bless you, Sam. God bless your listeners and God bless America. <laughs>